Hello there, Rob. Just Safer here. I've just listened to your episode about turning a Warhammer Fantasy Battle into a role-playing game. And, uh, you know, actually, I've just done that recently with my nephew. Um, we had a little scene that he was GMing and he had quite a lot of, it was a lot of orcs attacking a city and we were defending the gates and there was a bit too many characters. So we just, we decided to transcribe from D&D 5th edition into Warhammer Fantasy Battle. And uh, it worked quite well, actually. Um, it still had the similar feel of um, D&D with the turn-based system. Um, and my nephew had to make me a minor hero to give me a chance of not dying because, I mean, with one wound, it's quite risky. Um, but I suppose you could possibly hack the system to make it a simultaneous system where instead of having each opposing player having turns and then separate movement, uh, combat and archery phases within it, you could have it all happening together with everyone taking the phases within a single turn. Hello and welcome to Confessions of a Wee Timorous Bushi. This is your host, Menion, also known as Rob. So this episode, I've got a bit of a mix, a bit of a mishmash of uh, topics. Um, I've been sitting on this since the middle of August, uh, so almost a month, and I wasn't going to send it out, and then I was going to send it out, and I've decided to publish it more or less as is, um, Essentially, it, it deals with uh, two topics that I'm wrestling with. On the one hand, we've got this kind of gritty, dark fantasy that's sort of based on, a, on European and, uh, well, old world, old world um, analogue, which uh, specifically uh, is um, Warhammer and Warhammer Fantasy Battle. And on the other hand, we've got this, uh, this need... I guess you could say for me to move on to another world, which is like more like an other world fantasy um, that has less of a connection to real world sort of medieval or ancient world uh, analogues. And it rather is, is striving for something that, that doesn't require uh, any great knowledge of, uh, of archaeology or the old world or, or, Always of thinking of religion, you know, theology, but but nevertheless, one that still has some kind of cosmology at its heart. Okay, so that's a that's a bit heavy to begin this um, this episode with, but uh, hopefully you can hold on and uh, listen to the rest. So, starting the show, we had safer of safer fantasy crafting, and he'll come back later in the show. But next up, um, after. A uh, very long talk by myself again. Uh, we have our friend, our good friend Jason of Nerds RPG Variety Cast. So let's get straight into it. So um, in a previous previous episode, I talked about trying to hack Warhammer Fantasy Battle um, from from the early 1980s and some of the um, problems that that could arise from using the setting and system as is. Um, I think one way, something I didn't look at, but one way of, of doing this could be actually just to go and use DCC. Obviously, that's not a hack. But I think DCC could quite well simulate the, the world feel of that um, sort of early Warhammer uh, Games Workshop fantasy 
uh, um, genre. Is that a genre setting? Um, or even going to Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay and hacking that. But I just want to sort of set that aside for a moment and, and move on to another idea that I've been playing with. Um, part of this was, it's been going around my head for a while. And um, also I've seen similar ideas being echoed on Twitter. But I wonder whether it might be um, interesting to to use a setting that's that kind of overcomes some of the issues that we're seeing right now. So, um, as you know, there's people there's a backlash against using race uh, within, whether you call it a species or you call it an ancestry. Um, it all boils down to the same thing, um, um, because you can split hairs uh, and go on splitting them when dealing with words. So. Um, there's this idea that yeah, race is an issue that um, that non-human uh, monsters um, are an analog for real-world um, uh, races, or or the idea the idea of civilization and less primitive, so-called less primitive cultures clashing, and that. Fancy role playing has actually provided a platform for these um, these uh, sort of old sort of dyed in the wool um, uh, ideas and allowed them to sort of stay in, uh, under the surface to live on. Well, I don't really want to uh, argue that one way or the other. But I wonder if it's possible to to bypass some of these issues that people have um, with um, with good and evil and gods and monsters and so on and so forth. And one possible way of doing that might be to use a standard setting. So, for example, old school essentials, but change. So that was a rule book. Did I say setting? But change the setting. So, one some some things that I was thinking of would might be to to draw on inspiration from things like um, computer games, even like Zelda, the Legend of Zelda series, or Xenoblade, Xenoblade, um, which are Japanese uh, role playing types. Um, particularly in Zelda, the the monsters there sort of are generated from the the world and they sort of disappear back into that magical world into that magical soup as it were and there's a less emphasis on on violence um and of 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 a how can i say a conflict between different competing um tribes as it were right some other things um that might be interesting to draw on would be things like could could be things like gamma world and metamorphosis alpha and also you know uh, again M minecraft uh, minecraft is something that came up again there's there's monster generators in there and the idea of monster generators goes back at least as far as the 80s with with the arcade hit game which was called gauntlet now in this you had generators that you have to destroy in order to stop the the flow of monsters coming from them now you know it sounds a little bit lame 
to have generators just sort of standing there like little huts or something and then monsters pouring out. So the way in which that is is um, explained through the narrative of the game, through the fiction of the game rather, um, is probably fairly important. Um, why Gamma World? Why Metamorphosis Alpha? Well, because these two games also similar to the, the computer game um, Xenoblade, Xenoblade, they're on, they, they, um, they ask us to, to, to consider, they ask on a meta level anyway, to consider what the world would be like after an apocalypse or something that happens. So you've got this rich, um, different levels of rich, uh, uh, technology and and um, and so on, civilization lying there, uh, waiting to be discovered. Um, and this this idea of of winning back bits of uh, civilization, um, perhaps not calling it civilization, but winning back uh, lost knowledge or arcana. Or something like that's technology could be quite an interesting idea, and I'll, I'll kind of go on and speak a little bit more about that uh, shortly. But um, yeah, I, I don't want to say too many idea things, that, but I think I've sort of given the game away a little bit by saying Metamorphosis Alpha um, and Xenoblade, and that um, I'll use different words. I'll, I'll put this for in a way that uh, a fantasy um, role player might understand rather than the actual real hard um, uh, nuts and bolts of what I'm going for. But but imagine a world, you know, where you have spirits within the within that cosmos, within the within the world that are that have gone run amok. And these these spirits, they're different spirits, perhaps there's there's spirits that are doing their job kind of like in the matrix or something right you've got the spirits that do their job and when they're doing their job correctly you don't notice them and there are others that are say independent and there are others that are quite malign now it's these malign parts that kind of interest me so there might be spots within this world that i'm going to create as a setting where where when we can call it dark magic spots or whatever i'll, I'll probably come up with something um and, and from these areas perhaps from certain objects um the the monsters that the pcs will fight arise um they're spawned from 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 an aberration within within that world um and it, it's not a uh, fallen angels and gods and and all that kind of idea so um bear with me now um similarly we can have these dungeons, we can have these ruins, which are parts of this of this lost um, world, this lost civilization that predates uh, even the player characters um, nations, if you like they're not going to be nations, but okay it predates their their ancestors, their own existence and their ancestors' existence. And the idea is to go into these these places, uh, which are quite often um, 
tainted by the darker spirits and to reclaim them, to, to bring back the knowledge to make the world whole again, right? So instead of going into the dungeon to, to basically plunder and loot and kill, the same thing is mechanically is still happening, but instead of them going in, the idea that they're breaking into an orc's realm or and and taking that land or taking the um, the treasures ill-gotten or otherwise from these peoples is sort of thrown out of the window, and instead we're having uh, places being sort of re um, regenerated if you like to to be not not i don't want to use words like cleanse or made sacred again or something like that because that might also push the buttons that i'm trying to avoid so they're basically um removing glitches let's use matrix language they're they're removing glitches from the matrix um or or and but in a way that they're restoring the world to its actual proper um um balanced nature so they yeah they're going in and they're bringing out something so instead of gold pieces they'll rediscover places and those places will have a not a gold piece value but they'll have a a value that it equates to xp so we still got the same gold piece to xp mechanism there instead of having a gold pieces it could be a ruin that is worth a certain number of gold pieces or a room a chamber a a hidden door to somewhere or a, a teleporter and these or obviously obviously things that can be carried around as well so so um, a magical or item or an item of sort of lost tech technical uh, technology and these things have their value um, that then is translated into XP. Um, I was also thinking th- things more, more, um, more sort of banal um, that have a material value. So instead of having gold as this, this item that stands in as value and that being exchanged for services or whatever, we have an object that has real value um, in, in and unto itself. So um, in Zelda, for example, you've got rupees, right? Um, well, they, you know, they're gems, but they're still kind of, you know, instead of having a gold piece, got a gem, but it's still money, right? But I'm thinking more like something that can be used uh, to power the world, to create things. So some something that breaks down, uh, rather than going into all the details of things like gold, copper, silver, um, gems, uh stone <laughs> and all that maybe something that can be broken down through the char- player character's uh, world's technology into the stuff that they need to survive okay so so it could be yeah it could be a crystal or something or it could be um, bits of metal or something maybe and they're, they're bringing these items back and those items have xp value just as you know the the big um towers and and dungeon rooms and stuff or you know lost libraries also have this value so i don't know something like that right this could go on forever but that's one of the ideas i'm playing with and 
within this world, obviously, I'm still using the same uh, old school essentials rules because that's what I want to play with at some point very soon. I don't want to have to mod it uh, just in the same way as uh, as um, Dave Aldridge of D Percentile um, is wants to play the rules, you know, pretty much straight to start with so that he can get into those and grow accustomed to them. Uh, that's pretty much what I want to do. I just want to get back to an old D and D basic D and D set uh, where everything's quite uh, nicely laid out and done for me. I don't want to have to sort of uh, write the rules, um, but I do want the rules to work in a certain way within the setting when they meet with the setting. Um, so anyway, yeah. So the clerics in the world, we can get rid of gods because I see people on on the internet making all sorts of uh, interesting, interesting uh, comments or assertions about uh, you cannot strip the basic concepts of D&D out of uh, sorry the basic concepts of D&D away from a sort of Christian Judeo Anglo uh, Eurocentric um, uh, ideas and I, I want to s- sort of um, refute that by showing practically that that is not the case so the the clerics, I'll go back to the red box set where the clerics were still uh, restricted and, and limited by um, alignment. But that the alignment was not to do with gods so much as philosophies. Um, now, I'm aware there could be a problem in that because if there is... Uh, a philosophy or an ideology that has um, a sort of creates this sort of um, magic, you know, that acts as a font of magic or somehow uh, alters the way reality works. Well, that is almost the same as saying there are gods. So that probably needs a little bit of um, fine tuning. But that's one thing. That's another thing. Um, I've already said about money. Yeah. So basically, we'll ha- there will be money you will there will be it will be possible to to have buy things have them done uh made or done so goods and services will be things but the the objects of exchange will be, be uh what is necessary to build them and necessary to for the people to to live off you know it's a compensation uh one-to-one compensation for the item and for the work that goes into it. Um, those who are aware of uh, certain economic and political philosophies may may see um, where I'm going here. So, um, but it's a nice system as well. It's a nice way of doing it. Um, just throw out this cliched idea of gold and silver. And the gold is r- ridiculous, right, anyway, in D&D. You need tens and thousands, you know, hundreds of thousands of gold pieces floating around to go up levels. Um, strip that out and have and work, sort of change the balance of how that um, makes sense within the world. So, yeah, something to do with the philosophy, the money. Um, let's see now. I've talked about um, the way spirits uh, are sort of like somehow some kind of glitch within um, the reality or the world in which the players exist and how monsters are generated from tainted spots of uh, dark magic 
I need to work on the the language here because I don't want to I don't want to fall too deeply within into cliches particularly cliches that are going to uh, act as 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 ammunition against the games that we like and love so um yeah, so um, it comes down, I think, basically, so you know, I want to do something like this, uh, not as a way of of re, rebuilding D&D to make it uh, politically correct, but in response to people's concerns, including um, concerns over the, you know, topics that overlap with political correctness, um, and somehow still maintain... Uh, something that is um, recognisably Dungeons and Dragons, um, and I'm going to have to tinker around with the the language and the concepts I use to 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 have that system and have the setting uh, work in a way that does that. Um, so for now, I, I'm I'm using words like tainted spots, um, dark magic. I I've used I think I mentioned arcana, which could be this value of utility and knowledge. So it's a, yeah, knowledge is a, and knowledge and resources rolled into one. Um, arcana is probably not the word for it because um, that sounds just too much like knowledge. But I'll come up with something. So that's. The next step in, in Rob, gets down and dirty with the, with uh, creating his own materials. Um, it's not all mine, obviously. I'm borrowing from here and there. Uh, there are many different influences. But what do you think? Um, it's obviously you know creating new settings is is a pain. Uh, many people don't want to change, but. If it's possible to to keep the same core rules of something like basic expert Dungeons and Dragons uh, and still have dungeon crawls, is that an acceptable, is that acceptable, you know, to everybody? Is that an acceptable sort of like um, way out of the impasse that uh, we seem to keep on finding ourselves in? I don't want to go uh, talk too much about is it necessary to 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 even sort of um, respond to um, you know uh, political correctness etc etc or various other movements that we see um, political correctness is 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 a is an expression of something more important. Um, political correctness um, and if I can say it identity politics uh, may not be perfect and may upset a lot of people um, but the things that they those systems or ideas are trying what they're trying to attempt to do or the imbalances in in power and of certain groups of people, the ideas of, of removing oppression from society are valid uh, and important parts of, of uh, social progress. 
So, yeah, um, I will avoid talking about PC. Uh, and I don't really think that really helps much, actually talking about uh, many of the things that do come up. However, nobody likes racism. <laughs> um, or sexism or many other things well some people do but I think they're in the minority um, but I don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater I want to keep basic D&D &D and I want it to work in a way that no longer provides ammunition for um, a culture war does that sound fair? anyway I'll leave it with you for now but it's something I'm going to come back to this and play around with it because it could end up being a really nice sort of setting. Hey, Jason here. I, yeah, I could put multiple recordings together with my mistakes when I'm <laughs> recording. Um, Warhammer Fantasy Battle, very interesting. I think you just use the rules as written. For experience, you just do a, a milestone type thing, right? So each battle, you know, is an experience point, and each major challenge they face added battle is an experience point, and, you know, you need a number of experience up to your level to level up, that kind of thing, so two experience to get level two, three to get level three, something like that, or one more, you know, um, so simple enough. I, I wonder, once you start changing the setting up, though, at what point does it stop becoming Warhammer? So what point do you lose lose what you're trying to hold on to by changing the setting? You know, that's the tough part, right? Thanks for the message, Jason. I mean, as you've you've already probably heard at the beginning uh, or towards the beginning of this episode, I I'm th I was thinking about uh, using DCC, um, Dungeon Grow Classics, as another possibility for Warhammer. And I've also sort of put forward another idea of how I could sort of create a very different setting to be used with, uh, you know, standard D&D &D rules and have that um, palatable for those who feel that D&D &D is, is sort of um, unnecessary or ha includes themes that are um, not with the times. And I think you can keep... D and D, D and D with all its creatures and and um, warts and everything else, and yet still have it make sense within itself, and and not have it as. Um, I think you can take it away from, the idea of um, colonialism or anything else that you, uh, might draw, uh, as being parallel, to the to the system. I think you can separate the two. I think you can separate setting and rules, but not just that. I think you can explain the weirdness that is D and D, uh, the fantasy that is D and D in such a way that that weirdness and fantasy is brought out, and you don't have to abandon it, and you don't draw um, allegories or, or um, interpretations from the real world, but rather see it for what it is if that makes any sense. Um, so that's what, where I was going um, with this um, other idea of OSC, but that doesn't answer your question. So you were talking about using um, Warhammer fancy roleplay, uh, sorry, fancy battle rules as is. And that's a perfectly good um, idea, really, as well. And I think 
I would be uh, tempted to do that. Um, possibly just as one shots to begin with. But I think that could be a lot of fun. Now the reason I say that is because um those for those who don't know Warhammer Fantasy Battle, it's you know you think oh it's a battle game blah blah blah, well, it, it, the way this the system works is quite interesting in that you, you when you in combat you have weapon skill versus the opponent's weapon skill. And you know you roll to you roll to hit. It's using d sixes, pretty much everything uses d six. And if the blow gets through. You then um, test the weapon strength or the strength of the opponent versus the strength of the of the uh, uh, sorry the toughness of the defender, and then if it causes a wound, um, you can roll a saving throw. Now here, a saving throw is you you it's a saving throw based on your armor. So if you're wearing a a shield and chainmail, that I believe that gives you a five or a six, saves you. So you'd roll a d six. And yeah, you've got a two in six chance of not taking that wound uh, more if it's heavier armor, right? Or less if it's lighter armor. And um, there's a few rolls there, but it, it's, it's, um, it's fast enough when you know how the system works and the, the tables are pretty straightforward. And I, I wonder if that wouldn't be a lot of fun. I mean, there's rules in there for different types of weapons and magical items. The magical items are actually brilliant. The weapons, are, the rune swords and things are fantastic. So maybe you could do that. And also, um, you know, okay, you've got a character with one wound. And he takes a wound and he's down. Well, I don't want to add a complicated hit point system in, so I think I'd just leave it as that. Um, but there's two ways you can make this... Um, you can save this from becoming a sort of one hit and you're down and out of the game situation. I think one way is to... <laughs> I don't know if this would be meet everybody's criteria, but uh, one way is to um, roll on the wounds table and have the wound for that combat or whatever or longer. So the wounds table was in the, the rules, original rules. And it meant that um, if a named character hit, got received a wound, they could roll on the wound table. And it might be sort of recovers after that battle. And we might interpret the battle as being that encounter. Or it could be, uh, you know, a, a, a sort of uh, an injury until you've, you know, rested or you've, you've spent a couple of uh, battles out resting. And, and the, the wound might be to different locations. So it might affect your intelligence if it was in the head or it might affect your movement if it was in the leg, etc. And in the other cases, it might mean um, you've lost a limb or you've been permanently injured or you are even dead, right? So you've got that me uh, mechanism there and you could have that on a by encounter or per day basis or something. Instead... Uh, instead of, you know, um, battles or seasons or something, instead of that. And another thing that it has, or not, not that it has, but that's sort of built in anyway, is it's easy to have more than one fighter in your, um, on your roster. So, yeah, ideally you want one named fighter. But just like in um, the funnel of Dungeon Crawl Classics, there's nothing stopping each player from having more than one character, say, you know, two, three or four. Um, and obviously, if you get into a battle, the rules can be expanded, so you're you're moving whole um, units.
but I, you know, I don't want to get into, uh, that would be counters for me, I don't want to get into like miniature battles, because I, I don't have the means to do that, but you, you, hopefully you see what I'm getting at, I think the rules um, as written are quite a lot of fun, and also you've got things like uh, morale roles and checks, and fear, fear and things like this, rules um, that affect psychology, which if it's um, one player, you don't want to be, have to run away, even though that's very realistic. Um, in D&D, old D&D, we might have a moral check for the, um, the enemy, but you wouldn't have it for the, for the heroes, right? But if you've got more than one hero, maybe you, yeah, maybe you do want them sort of chickening now. Maybe you do want them to be acting in human, more human ways rather than strategically um, um, acceptable ways. <laughs> acceptable to the player anyway if you see what I mean anyway so um, lots of thoughts there hopefully I'm I know I'm waffling a bit I always waffle that's that comes with the age and etc anyway um, yeah I think you have a point I think the, the the system has a lot going for it in in, in it's in that it's simple um, and that it's quirky and it's not, yeah, it's not impossible to adapt to role playing. Um, as for the setting, mm. well, you know, Warhammer Battle was already f- always fairly vague on setting, so I think it's possible to put people in a dungeon or a town or a wilderness setting without really getting involved in 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 situations that you know um might be too analogous to to real world um history or culture and so on that's one thing so it's, that's that might be a bit of a cop out perhaps but i don't think it is um yes um food for thought so thank you very much jason um i'll i'll continue um thinking about that i need to look at the rules and uh maybe run a, a short three-hour uh, adventure and see what happens. Right, cheers, man. So now, returning to the beginning of the show, we have our friend Safer Fantasy Crafting. Now, Safer um, was talking about how you can um, easily sort of um, cover many of the areas that you need rules for by tapping into other rules. And he had been talking at the beginning of the show, he'd been talking about um, how you could tinker with the timing and um, and so on and so forth. And he now, uh, he actually sent two messages um, of that first message. So he did a repeat one, which I've, I've deleted here because it, it's essentially the same as the, the one at the head of this show. But he, he calls back in and explains that and uh, I'll let him do the rest of the talking. Yeah, Rob, I think that one went through. But um, regarding like opposed roles for strength against uh, strength and things, I think you could just use the uh, to wound chart, you know, because that's an opposed role. It's a strength against someone's toughness. But you could just have strength against strength. And you could perhaps the, perhaps have the strongest player as the attacker's strength and have them roll the dice to see if they're successful. And if they're not successful, then the other per- the, the the opposed value is is the winner. You know, so I think... The mechanics are all there, and I think it's clear that they were intending this to be used as a role-playing game because they've got the ca- the characters as casualties at the back, where you know if you go down to zero wounds, it's not death, 
you're you're out of the game, you're unconscious, but then you have to roll on the the injuries charts. Where so a bit like early D and D, where you have to take time out, and you may just be concussed, you may actually be dead, or you may have something like a, um, a severed arm. That's clearly beyond normal wargaming. I think they were intending uh, Warhammer Second Edition to lead into a fantasy role playing system. Uh, hello, Rob. Uh, yeah, of, co- of course, Warhammer Fantasy Battle Second Edition did lead into Warhammer Fantasy role playing later on, where they expand on significantly. But both Warhammer Fantasy Battle Second Edition and uh, the first Warhammer uh, Forty Thousand Rogue Trader were very much very role play type games, really, uh, in terms of being a, a war game. It was it was a lot of role playing elements in there. There's also in the Magic book and Warhammer Fantasy Battle Second Edition. There's a few extra little pieces in the the scenario section uh, about uh, the magnificent Sven. There's some sections there about falling damage and reduced visibility and uh, effects of moving in water and things, which kind of add to uh, the potential and ideas for adding role-playing type rules to the game. So, yeah, I think it's 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 really on, uh, uh, Rob. I think it's it's really got that potential. You could really go into it without too much change, really. I think the system's almost just ripe for it. Hi, Rob. It's just safer here from Safer Fantasy Crafting. Just a random call in. I've just read an article in White Dwarf Fifty One. It's about uh, it's a thief character class for Warhammer Fantasy Battle. Uh, I was just thinking about it when you were talking about your hack for uh, Warhammer uh, Fantasy Battle role playing game. It's it was clearly for a first edition Warhammer, uh, which I don't know about. I only had second edition, so I I don't know if first edition was far more role playing based than second edition was but uh it was quite uh, if, give it a look if you're interested you know it might be might be worth interesting actually it just seems to describe a full character class for a thief within warhammer fantasy battle so i just thought i'd drop you a line and let you know just around one hope you're keeping well okay take care rob so there you go a ton of ideas there um from safer and from jason um it does go to show i think how um a simple system can be used as a, a springboard to other things and how you can bolt on uh, whatever you need, how you can, uh, what's the term, uh, jerry-rig, you, you can jury, jury-rig, I'm getting confused with jerry-building, um, jury, you can jury-rig a lot of the tables and rules it already found within the system and repurpose them for some other um, aspect of the rules that weren't originally covered. So thank you very much for that. Um, one of the reasons I've decided to put this out actually is because uh, even actually Colin um, Spike Pit of Anchor, um, Colin uh, added a, a simple post on the Discord recently where he showed that the first edition uh, of Warhammer Fantasy Battle very much was, um, I think it was actually called a role-playing game. And uh, it the idea really was to have it act as a both battle and role-playing game. Um, and so I think that answers Safer's uh, uh, questions there and his, uh, his assumptions. And perhaps it was the case that with uh, the second edition uh, battle game, they decided, they already knew the fantasy game, role-playing game, game was going to come out within a few years. So they decided to split it. So you still have these this kind of like role play feel in the second edition, um, and some extra rules in there, but they're already um, focusing more on its use as a battle game and a miniatures game, and then 
on the other hand, they're getting ready for this the launch of Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay. I don't know if that's the case, but uh, it could well be. So I think that covers everything. As you can see, it's a little bit of a mix this time, a little bit long, uh, so I will stop very shortly. Um, if you have anything to say or share, um, um, and hopefully something that sort of builds on, on, on um, some of the topics that I'm with, uh, uh, builds on on them in a in a positive way um please please do share um i, I don't think either of the ideas that is the idea of um of using um an old sort of uh basic version of dnd to to tap back into the original kind of feel of dnd while still having it um accessible and um and how should i say and acceptable <laughs> to to uh, various different people's tastes uh, on the one hand and on the other hand um, something like uh, Warhammer where you're getting this old game that wasn't specifically uh, intended as a flexible role-playing game as we now understand the term but how that can be uh, reinvigorated and and repurposed uh, to cover uh, any situation that we might uh, expect to uh, crop up in a role-playing game and at the end of the day what is a role-playing game well, it's not the rules I don't think uh, it's not the rules so you can bring in rules about story creation you can bring in fate points as they did in Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay or hero points or this and that or um, interventions by the DM or players to to push the narrative in one direction or the other but at the end of the day um, anything that's built as rules is just rules um, and it is analog and it's only as um, immersive um, it, it can be very engaging but it's only as immer immersive as a as another world uh, as a fancy believable fancy setting um, as we make it um, so only when we play with the rules and rationalise them as being more than rules are we role-playing. It's not the rules themselves. Um, so that's probably why I prefer a very simple rule system nowadays because I think it gives me, um, gives all of us more uh, space to, to interpret things uh, and not to get bogged down um, in the books. Anyway, uh, this has gone long on. Uh, on long enough and uh, thank you very much for listening so if you have anything to share please uh, drop me a message here on anchor you can do that by going to the anchor site to my account and uh, pressing the little message button it does require you to have a, a um, um, have your own membership have your own account that is free obviously and, and as far as i know doesn't come with any bells or whistles um, or any uh, sort of obligations um, monetary or otherwise um, you can also catch me on twitter at old shabby gamer as one word old shabby gamer um, known as many on also known as rob so i still haven't got a gmail account it may never ever happen but there you go thank you so much for listening uh, wait until next time take care and uh, stay safe